1: Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by ProPublica reporter Jay David McSplain, who has a new book, Pandemic Inc., Chasing the Capitalists and Thieves Who Got Rich While We Got Sick. Jay David, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Welcome. Welcome. We were just that. discussing your book, which makes us really angry. Yeah, who should we be the maddest at? Let's
0: go. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah yeah sorry to make everyone angry i mean that that's uh you know (laughs) i have that effect sometimes
0: (laughs) no no who's on the list for real though um in terms of sort of the 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 hierarchy of people who were in charge at the beginning of the pandemic who were who were responsible you know for our safety and our public health um first like who is in charge and like who were the grifters so like give us sort of the characters (laughs) who are involved um, in profiting off of our pain?
2: Sure. I mean, well, th- there should have been someone in charge, right? I, I think you just, you-, you were discussing it just now. I mean, we-, we were in this vacuum of leadership where the Trump administration was had, had tried to deny the pandemic was a thing at all. And you do have Jared Kushner coming in and saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take over. I'm in charge of supplies. And, and uh, in fact, he, he and the people he brought in didn't know what they were doing. And that created this, at the very least, a public relations nightmare where everyone thinks, well, Jared Kushner's in charge now. And, and, I, and I talk about this in the book where people behind the scenes who actually knew what they were doing were pretty frustrated by that. And they were, they were trying to get things out. And, and move things around and you just had this like swirling chaos going on and you have a bunch of government money. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars into the billions pretty quickly and people saw an opportunity and in that opportunity, there were people such as Robert Stewart Jr. Who's the first contractor I come in, uh, you know, in, into contact with who.
1: This is where Zerlina starts writing names down. I'm I'm making a list. I'm
2: talking. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, this is out there. I I did report it in real time. I didn't hold on to this. I I don't think that would be cool. And, you know, I I, I give him a call. This is the guy who has a $34.5 million contract with the VA, which has the largest hospital network in the country. And, you know, I say, hey, how do you have 6 million masks? And, and he's telling me that almost like I think it's five dollars ninety cents, almost six dollars, a mask. And he says, "Well, you know, I have this. Uh, you know, I have them. They're, they're they're ready to go. I'm I'm hopping on a private jet tomorrow, and I'm going to oversee the delivery of these masks." Uh, and I and I say, "Well, that's it. That's really interesting. Can I come with you?" <laughs> and he ends up inviting me on this private jet, and within hours, I'm I'm with him uh, to Chicago. By way of Georgia for some reason, and slowly over the course of of about seventy two hours I realized I'm not sure he has the masks the story keeps changing Whoa. you know he says they were bought out from under him and then you know he's got he's got a line on new masks he's he's dealing with all these these other new and colorful characters and long story short I, i'm beginning to think this whole thing might be made up and it sort of sets wow. me on a, on about a more than a year of reporting where i you know i end up talking with other contractors and so, some of whom were hired by the federal government some of whom are just dealing with states or hostels directly and you know just realized that there's this a sort of underbelly the whole time of people who call themselves mask brokers and they've got investors and there's money running around and and we're so desperate uh, for, for these supplies that you know it's just a bonanza
1: mask broker why do you think they talked to you, you? said mask broker like you're that a is pro scary. yes scary. mask broker is something that we should put a pin in and remember mask broker um, like you're a pro publica <laughs> reporter why would he let you on his plane? Right?
2: Well, you know, I mean, that's an interesting question. I went through the front door. I wasn't being sneaky or anything. Right. I, I'm a reporter. I, I, I do investigations mainly, and I'm curious about this. And uh, he said, I have nothing to hide. You know, I'm, I'm, I've i got it all together. And and I approached the story with an open mind thinking, well, you know, maybe maybe that's yeah. true. Either way, this is, sure. this is a, you know, I mean, this was late April 2020. I had been stuck in my apartment for like four weeks, like everybody else. And I was like, either way, this is something I need to figure out. I need to know how this works. And he'd been talking about this underbelly and he, and he said, okay. And, and I, and you know, I'll never truly understand his motivations, but I, I suspect it was because, and this is sort of a central tension in the book that he, he might've believed his own myth that, you mm. know, maybe he was this entrepreneur who was going to rise to the occasion for the American people in, in their time of need. It, you know, and I come to find out later, he'd been committing a different type of fraud the whole time. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not sure he ever had any masks or a real line on them. And I don't know. Wow. I, in some ways, occasionally you'll find people who they almost want to confess, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, they want somebody to figure them out. So what are the que- maybe hmm.
0: I- one of the questions I have, as as you describe all of this, is like, well, it's, it's a two part question. The first is, if somebody has has enough money to have a private jet, why do they need to grift? Like, did you ever figure out what it was about? his background his history his mental state as to why a private jet owner uh needs to do this grift especially in this context because it's not just like any grift it's the middle of a pandemic um you are grifting on life-saving ppe right you know doctors and nurses are getting sick they're sticking on trash bags and you're you have time to grift even though you already own a private jet the second part of the question is is this person representative of more people that were engaged in this type of grift? Because, you know, to the point of, of your book is like, it's not like this was the only grifter out here. This was a lot of people who had a, a lot of different schemes um, at, um, at the beginning and during the pandemic that we are still very much in um, to make money off of people suffering. Um, so it's a two-parter, but like, if you own a private jet already, why do you need to scam people out of money when the stakes are life and death and how many more of these Uh, people are
2: there out here (laughs) right well so so the issue with robert stewart specifically was was a little bit different i I could tell just from backgrounding him that he there's no way he owned the private jet and i asked him you know Uh, where was this coming from and he and his story changed a couple times on who was paying for it at first he told me well, there's a veterans organization that's paying for it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, and this was right after Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, had, had used right. this kind of play, plan to bring in, you know. It's a great fanfare, but, it, you know, he brought in very few masks, uh, you know, proportionally. And, you know, so I was like, well, why wouldn't this veterans organization, you know, this is great PR. Why wouldn't they just tell me who's paying for this? He says, "Well, you know, they're they're shy. They want to keep it private." And I was like, "Well, I don't, you know, I didn't really believe that." And you know, eventually he sends me a receipt that shows that it was, I think it was twenty-two and a half million dollars, or a twenty-two and a half thousand dollars, not million, excuse me, uh, right. for you know, really a day of flying. And I said, well, I need to know who's paying for this because if it is an organization such as the Trump campaign, et cetera, we need to know that because I can't just hop on any plane. I need to know who's paying for it. We have to pay a commercial rate. You know, like we had like right. you know yeah. ethical standards. Yeah, journalists can't today. can't
1: go around with a candidate without paying for their own transportation. Otherwise, right. just a quick backgrounder here. Yeah. Otherwise, they're taking they're taking campaign donations <coughs> in their work, which could compromise them. So journalists exactly. need to know. Paying so for this I was stuff like, ethically, I did need
2: to know these. I need yes. to know the answers yes. to these questions. And he, and he he was kind of evading that. You know, so that was another red flag. And then you know, yeah. um, come to find out, I, I, he. He rented it himself, at, you know, or, or from his company coffers, I, uh, or so it seemed. And I found out about a year later that, in fact, that was money that he got from the Paycheck Protection Program that he fraudulently obtained. Oh my god! So you know, the whole wow. thing was just kind of a house of cards.
1: Yeah. So okay. So so let's talk about that paycheck protection uh, situation. Um, The federal government gave eight hundred billion dollars in loans for small businesses, but anybody like I have an LLC, I I could have gotten federal loans and then spent it on a car. Like I wouldn't do that because I'm not a horrible person, but a lot of people were buying yachts and luxury cars and mansions with this money.
2: Absolutely. I mean, there were, there were people who bought uh, not just mansions, like you know, pretty, you know, amazing properties. Uh, I detail wow. one in the book, it's in Seminole County in Orlando. Uh, this is somebody who has a dormant marketing business, resurrects the business says, you know, I have hundreds of employees. He, you know, he, uh, according to his indictment, falsifies bank statements etc and you know you know gets this mansion buys a Lincoln Navigator goes to Sarasota County and buys the car and and then pays off his girlfriend's debts and then when you know federal prosecutors are catching up with him and uh, going on the lam they find him in Croatia uh, many months later and he says to a judge there well, I left because you know under the Trump administration, what I was doing was okay, and w- with uh, you know Biden stealing the election, now I'm worried about being prosecuted. You know, and it was you know which none of which is true, and you know, but it, but it told me something about you know how there's you know I, I do think that there's the, the leadership we had at the time. Sort of emboldened certain people who think mm. a certain way. And yeah. And, yeah. And, that, and that program was just so easy to scam because of the way it was created. It, 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 was, it was designed to funnel money out as quickly as possible with very little oversight and no incentive for lenders, banks, including financial tech com- companies, to really dig into who they're giving money to. It, it, it really was just a bonanza.
0: So in terms of the Bonanza, how many people were a part of this? How many people scammed us of our money?
2: <laughs> I wish I knew the number. Yeah. <laughs> Ballpark it. Fun. I really, how long I is I my really do.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, it's pretty big. It's pretty big because we're, well, because we've got, we've got a few programs, right? We've got the people who came in and, you know, they were these contractors, these mercenaries, buccaneers and pirates is one of the characters in, my, in the book book calls them, who were supposed to give us things, and instead they just made money or, and gave us crap or didn't deliver anything. And then you have those who took advantage of the PPP loan program, small business loan. And then you have, uh, and this is a little more recent, we're finally catching up to this, uh, meaning us as a country, the people who took advantage of unemployment benefits, right? I mean, you remember that, you might remember that chart on the front page of the New York Times where it's like, here's the unemployment benefits and then like within one day there was this church just crashing through everything. Yep. Uh and that was real. A lot of people were dealing with extreme hardship. But in there there were people who weren't, uh, who were making things up and trying to get money and and we're kind of catching up to that now. So, you know, the the book isn't about here's it, you know, quantifying and saying, here's every scam that happened okay. or here's, you know, here's the definitive account on the number of people who ripped the government off. It's really a story about us, Um, you know, sort of culturally, you know, as Americans and how our worst instincts sort of got in the way of our ability to really get a handle on this thing.
1: Do you think that they would have been as widespread without Trump? I know he emboldened a few people to be like, hey, he's a grifter. I'm a grifter. He's going to be okay with what I'm doing. But like, did did he did he do more than just his more than like just his physical presence being in office made them feel like it was okay or was the Trump White House actually more amenable to this in a policy way? Like did they did they help it?
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's really impossible to disentangle like what what was Trump, what was just our mm-hmm. cultural sort of you know nasty politics that we have going on. And what was our just inability to prepare for this and and defunding? But, I mean, it's absolutely, I think it's undeniable that Trump exacerbated things because it's just inconceivable that George W. Bush or Barack Obama would have handled things the way that he did. Because just based on their legacy and the things that they were doing, both of those presidents really took pandemics seriously Mm -hmm. and addressed, you know, uh, both the swine flu and, and, and bird flu and, you know, tried to bring resources to bear, but politics got in the way. And then you have an administration that said, well, we're just going to pretend this isn't real and we're going to wait, you know, eight weeks and then, uh, oh, whoops. I guess we'll just spend a bunch of money and throw it out into the world and hope that everything's okay. And we get some masks, you know, the, the, those are different strategies.
1: <laughs> yes, they are. I'm excited to read this book. I'm also, um, I am, I'm afraid to read this book because I know it's going to raise my <laughs> blood pressure so significantly, but it's that, like, we got to talk about it actually, because it's going to happen again. You
2: know, yeah, well, I think it will. And, and, well, so, you know, throughout writing the book, I've thought about exactly what you just said. You know, my I, I don't want to just, come in here and be like, Hey, everyone, we've, we've just gone through two years of trauma. Let me depress you further. (laughs) No, the, the the book is uh, really designed to be sort of a blueprint of what not to do. And, and I include in it, you know, in reporting, you, you discover these weird things and you end up going down roads you didn't expect. And you meet crazy characters, including people who might offer you drugs along the way. Uh, You know, it's, Uh. it's, it has humor. It has anger. It's supposed to be, you know, a a, a book that just tells you about this, these two years through the length that I saw it as, which is, you know, who are these people taking advantage? It's it's not like all things COVID. Let let's just be really sad for 200 right. pages. That's not that's <laughs> not my goal.
1: No, no. It's, it's it's a really important story. And um, and it's a really American story. So the book is Pandemic Inc. Chasing the Capitalists and Thieves Who Got Rich While We Got Sick. J. David McSwain, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.